Traders, flippers, bargain hunters, sellers, buyers, minters, gamblers, speculators. There are a lot of terms thrown around when it comes to buying and selling JPEGs. One thing is for certain. If you were buying and selling NFTs in 2020 and 2021, you likely did pretty well for yourself. Sure, there were some losers, but there were some big winners too. The world of secondary markets has been around for decades, but layering in incredible technology to prove authenticity plus scarcity was a game changer in terms of the elimination of friction. Today, we sat down with someone who found NFTs and traded their way up the ladder, leveling up over the last year and a half. Someone who started with a few hundred dollars and turned that into hundreds of thousands of dollars. So without further ado, let's get into it. Today, we are joined by Danny Ukes, an early NFT trader who has since joined the House of First Team, working to develop those key relationships and also works as an affiliate for the Royal Society of Players. We're going to get Danny's whole story tonight. Danny, really appreciate you for coming on the show. How, how are you doing tonight? Yo, I'm doing so great. Thank you so much for having me here. Really excited to uh, get into like my history and how it led to where I am now and everything in between. Let's start at the beginning. Um, interested in like how did you get started in NFTs? Were you in crypto prior to kind of jumping into NFTs, or what was like the first thing that you know pushed you into the world of NFTs? So it's funny because whenever I answer this question, I always have a different point of origin. So uh, I'll, I, I'll I'll give you the full context. We go all the way back to young, like ninth grade Danny Ukes before I was even Danny Ukes. Like that wasn't even the nickname back then. Uh, you know, I was just like on Reddit as high school kids tend to be. And I remember like learning about Bitcoin and just seeing it on Reddit and being like, wow, that seems pretty cool. Like I want to get into that. And uh, at the time, like it was not easy to set up a wallet or to buy Bitcoin or anything. And it was uh, the avenue I went down required like, you know, downloading a Tor browser and getting onto the dark web. And so like little ninth grade me was all like excited about it at first, but then I, I got in there and I was like, okay, this is, this is bad. I don't want to be here. Like, this is not good. Uh, and so that was like my initial um, experience. And then several years later, like literally probably 2019, 2020, like all those years later. So that's like, I was in ninth grade and probably 2012, I think, you know, if I do my math right, but regardless, so give it like, Five, six, seven years later, that's when I finally, I don't, I, I think at first it was just on Robinhood. Like I was, you know, messing around with stocks as you do when you're 19. And uh, I found, like I knew about Bitcoin, obviously. Ethereum was like the other cryptocurrency. I started putting a little money into both. And in the summer of 2020, that was when the pandemic was really like high and everything was closed. Like it was bad, but the government was giving us in New York some free money. And it was crazy because at the time, $600 every two weeks was more than my paycheck. And so it was like, why would I not be unemployed collecting more money than I get when I actually work? You know, it was sure. like a loophole. So, so it was like kind of weird. Like it was like COVID sucks, but I'm more financially well off than I've ever been in my life. Cause up to that point, And you know, for most of my life I was paycheck to paycheck. My father owns a business, but you know, it's, hot dog carts like we we do really well for ourselves but it's you know it's always been kind of the medium or what's it on 
like middle class. And so when I started getting those checks from, you know, COVID and the government, it was like, all right, this is dope. Like, let's see if I can turn this money into more money. Like, you know, that's, you got to spend money to make money. I've known that for a while. And like, yeah, let's see what we can do. And so I started putting money into different stocks, but it was Bitcoin and Ethereum that really started to pique my interest. Because if you go back to summer of 2020, what we saw was a influx in people buying Bitcoin and the uh, price went up. I remember at the time I first started buying, it was maybe around like, I don't know, 9,000, 10,000. Like, it's hard to say yeah, for sub, sure, but sub it, 10K, like, it doubled. Yeah, like, it was, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so it, like, like I was making a decent amount of money, but I wasn't putting in that much. Like I would put in $200 and I'd be lit when it got to 300. It's like, wow. Like, oh my God. And so like that, like early on sparked the like, yo, let's like, let's do this. And so it's also, it's also funny sometimes, like when you, when you start thinking about these stories and you say like 200 into 300, and then when you talk at like NFTs, people are like, Oh, only 200 and 300. Meanwhile, that's a 50% return, return on well, your, your investment, sudden, which is pretty fantastic. $300 is like 0.2 or 0.3. So, you know, for yeah, as of recording right now, it's not ideal. So that summer, so 2020, I turned like $500 of my own money into about $1,200 just through Bitcoin and Ethereum mostly. And I was like, yes, like I'm on a roll. I'm killing this. Let's do it. Like I'm watching like I'm on crypto videos every day. Like literally just like every, there's the one dude that like, you know, every morning is like, all right, watch the Bitcoin price today. And so like, I was really about that shit. And then uh, I got scammed. Yeah, I was like watching a YouTube video and it was like one of those fake like Elon Musk is talking and go to the website and send the money and he'll send it. And it's like, it's so obvious, right? Like that's like, come on, you, I was greedy. I was like young in the crypto game. Like I had never been scammed. And so all that money that I worked really hard for investing, even though it was literally just, you know, COVID money that I gambled away in Bitcoin, whatever, blah, blah, blah whatever. I, I felt like I was smart. And then I felt like I was so stupid. Like I just lost all that money. And it was like, damn, like that was, I can't lose that much money. I can't lose that much. Like that's more money than I have to lose. And so it really sucked, but I didn't let it deter me because I was like, listen, it happened. Like I, like that, like I was able to get to that point where I was able to even lose that much. So it's kind of like, I don't know. Let's see how far I can take this. And I ended up getting a job because that happened in like October or November. Uh, so towards the end of the year. And I got a job working for Paychex, which is a payroll processing company here in the States. And uh, it was pretty cool at first. Like, I, I don't know. It wasn't like that hard or anything. It was work from home. I had to answer a phone 60 times a day. And most of the time they were people looking for our services. So I could pass those along as leads and get extra commit. Like it was it was the first time I was working a real job with a real salary. And even though it was like not a crazy good salary, it was like, I got benefits. I'm work from home. I'm full time. Like, this is amazing. This is great. Ideal situation. Yeah. And, especially during like the COVID rush. I mean, it was hard enough for people to do the perfect. jobs they had. It, was, let alone find it really jobs. was. And what ended up happening was six months later, I hated it. You know, like I, I wanted, I couldn't wait to get out, but all this time later. And even then I knew like it was, that was such a necessary step for myself to be forced to be in front of my computer all day, every day, because that, that right there is what led me to NFTs. And that is where the story truly begins, right? It was Axie Infinity because I'm a lifelong gamer, huge gamer. And 
I don't know how I like, I think about this all the time. Like, what was the article I looked at? Like, it must've been like a crypto article about, you know, this thing. And at the time, like, like I said, I was investing in Ethereum, but I didn't really like know that much about it. Like I just knew it was the other crypto, right? Like it's the other crypto. And so I was like, all right, so I got to like, set up a wallet like what is metamask like i was still on robin hood at this point you know it's it was kind of crazy i'm so happy that i failed early on and got scammed out of a big chunk because that set me up to this day that like i don't know if i'm gonna get scammed like it's it's yeah i've got five ledgers right here like we're just hanging out with them uh so you know that's like you got you got to be safe got to be safe with your assets got to be everything but i didn't know at the time so Regardless, anyway, I finally set up my MetaMask wallet for Axie Infinity because uh, it was MetaMask at the time before the Ronin Bridge and everything. And oh gosh, what a time, dude! It was just I remember buying three Axies for like thirty dollars a piece, and uh, let's see, it was like I could play them and get five dollars a day, right? And <clears throat> you know, five dollars a day—that's not that much, but to me, as a lifelong gamer, it was like yo. This is it. This is everything. It made so much sense. Play to earn. Like, and you know, obviously the state of play to earn, a lot of people are like, it's very Ponzi-ish. It's very like, blah, blah, blah. I agree. It is in its current state, but I think it'll work one day. I don't know. Like give it to Epic, you know, give it to Fortnite. Like they'll figure out a way to make it work or something. So uh, yeah, as soon as there's a play to earn model that isn't Ponzi or maybe play to earn won't work, whatever. I don't care. Regardless, at the time it was working and I was I was all about it. Like I'm serious. I, I was telling all my friends, I was like, you guys gotta buy this, like you have to and everyone looked at me like I was crazy. They were like, bro, if you're gonna play a video game, just play a video game. And if you like, why are you buying these NFTs? Like, what's an NFT? Like it's a digital asset. Like when I came around with Top Shot, oh they mocked me. They mocked me so much. They mocked me for buying a series one LeBron James moment for $40 that I would then sell for 3000. They mocked me for buying all those $1 Kemba Walkers and Carmelo Anthony's that would then go for 150 a piece. Like that was, you know, that that's what was special to me because it's like when people are telling you, dude, you're so dumb. Like, what the fuck are you doing? That's when you know that you got that shit. That's when you know that like you're doing what is, I mean, obviously I didn't know. And I was, spending more money than I should have. And this is where it really peaked after like top shot. I got into Zed run and like, uh, I started going on clubhouse and that's when I started like making a name for myself. I was doing the, uh, top shot cave with Kenny Gabara and Ben Jammin. And that was like, that's how I really started. Like people started following me. I changed my avatar to my, uh, Avastar, a great early on collection. This is the, probably the most crazy part of my journey besides like you know coming up and then more or less losing it all but i mean luckily i did profit a little i uh, i maxed out one of my credit cards when i did not have the money to do that i spent like ten thousand dollars on nifty gateway in between like january to march of 2021 and off of one of those nfts alone i was able to pay off the entire amount and so every other nft that i bought some of them i still hold some of them i flipped all profit all profit like absolutely insane i would never ever tell anyone to do that i don't know why i would do that but i did and i think it's because it wasn't all at once it's not like i just dropped ten thousand dollars on one nft it was like all right five hundred dollars today all right seven hundred dollars tomorrow all right ten or like two thousand dollars today but like every time i did it it was like 
you're getting these fat returns. And like, obviously, you know, sometimes you sell the top, sometimes you don't sell the top. I was really hurt early on with that nifty gateway because I, uh, they did like the cranky super plastic and they were like these, uh, you know, spray bottle cap guys and they were pretty cool, but I got one. And it was like a gold one. And I was like, oh, this is sick. Like, I'm going I'm to sell it real quick for like $1,000 because it was only 200 And I put it on the market for 1000 It sold in an instant. In an yeah. instant. And I was like, let's go. Like, oh, my gosh. I just hit such a come up. That same exact one I sold went on the market for $5,000 the same minute that it was sold to me. And then two minutes later, it sold again. And so I went from being so happy to feeling so sick. I, f- I felt like, oh my, oh my God, like I, I was so happy a second ago and now I feel so terrible because I missed out on so much more. And that, there's a uh, great explanation for that. I saw a tweet one day and it essentially said, in crypto, you either lose money or you don't make a m- enough money. And ever since I read that tweet, I kind of, appreciate it differently you know when you buy and sell things because like if you look at my track record i really have i've sold things at the tippy top i've sold things at the bottom i've sold things on the way up on the way down like in between like i've sold for killer losses i've sold for killer gains but at the end of the day like now it almost not that it's numb like because it's not numb like it's still real money and everything but it's like if you lose a lot all right whatever if you make a lot it's like not necessarily whatever, but it's like, all right, you've well, experienced, you've experienced, could have made more probably, but like, yeah, it's like this really weird, like feeling of like, all right, like, what are we even doing here? You know? And I think that's how a lot of people are starting to feel with the space where it's like, when I came in, you know, I just told the story, like it was very much about, um, like video games for one, but it was also the idea of what can we accomplish with this technology? Like Ethereum is so much bigger than, Bitcoin in the sense that Bitcoin is just virtual gold, like Ethereum seems to be this new way in which we are, you know, Web3 essentially. It's just this new way that we're all communicating and interacting with one another and building communities and brands and IP and all those really cool things that like, I don't know, that's what everyone seems to be wanting to get into. You know, it's 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 brand building. It's And that's, I don't know, graduating from college in 2019 with a degree in social media management. It was perfect. It was literally like I couldn't get a job in that field for a year and a half. But, you know, all this time later, now look at me and I'm doing my own social media managing while also working with other projects and, you know, Landmark and House of First, Royal Society of Players. Like that's I, I love my team. I love my team so much and we do such incredible work. And I'm so glad that I was able to leverage all of this wacky experience and that whole story I just told you. Like, obviously, there's some other big moments that happened along the way, but like to take where I was and get to now a full-time position with, you know, great people I work with and, you know, good salary, good benefits. Like that's what it's all about. Really. Like it's, it's fun to be a DJ and to, you know, live off crypto and everything, but it's more fun to really be a part of something bigger than the individual and build something out, you know? I think you're kind of like the definition of leveling up. If I think about what you just said in your journey and kind of going into, you know, things that you were initially attracted to, like Axie from gaming. One follow up question there back to you, you hit on like some of the series one buys that you made for Top Shot. When did you kind of think 
wow, I'm really early and not many people understand this. And I'm going to take a stand and make a serious investment of, you know, whatever I could get together. Because of course, maxing out a credit card is at a point where it's like, I have good conviction here that I'm right. When did that sort of click? At what moment was there a moment when that clicked? It's interesting because if you really look at my track history, I didn't sell anything early on. Like I didn't sell my first Top Shot moment until I had over a hundred moments already. And most of those were like, I was literally just storming the market and buying moments for a dollar a piece. And I would just buy players. I like, like Carmelo Anthony, like he's cool. Come a Walker, like for a dollar. Sure. And like, I really, I think, ah, oh, let me think, let me think for a second. There were less than 3,000 people in the Top Shot Discord when I joined. That was towards the end of December of 2020. So the beta had been out since like August. So like I had some catching up to do, but I was I was like, yo, this is cool. Like I'm kind of into the NBA. Like I played 2K and stuff, but like, you know, not really that big. But like now, like I know all the players. Like I know who's hooping. Like and that's that's one of the things I really love about Top Shot is that it gave me a deeper appreciation for the NBA as it stands today. And like I care about the games that are going on. And I don't know. I think the moment was really I there was okay, this is kind of cool. I do remember kind of a specific moment. The cool cats drop, the very first one was uh the cool this is not the nft this is the top shot cool cats right and so that's i always it's weird that there's two huge cool cats in my uh history but yeah the cool cats uh first pack which was i don't even remember the players it was like rui hashimara or like whoever uh but that the night before that came out the discord got flooded absolutely flooded with all of these new people that were like from a different discord that was all just like shoe flippers and ebay rebuyers and like people that just like buy shit on the internet and then sell it for a higher price for a living like because that's i mean i guess i ended up doing that too but like before it was just kind of silly it's like yeah you're buying shoes you're buying pokemon cards like whatever but they all came to Top Shot and they all intrinsically saw the value, right? And so I think for that pack drop, what was so cool and special about this is that um, it like there weren't that many. Like they had to totally readjust their drop plan for Cool Cats 2 and 3 and 4. And I think there was a fifth one too. So like all of the following drops had so much, so many more. And it was that day that people were really piling in. Like I think we had... I don't think we had started doing the podcast yet or the uh, clubhouse room, but like, you know, things were just like the energy was starting to get different. That's when like Jen Sudo started showing up or no, it was Steph Sudo that started yeah. and then she brought Jenny along and like, you know, all these kind of big names. And like, there was obviously like the names that everyone knows from Top Shot that were already in there, but then other kind of bigger names, like that's when like Pack Rip came through and that's when like, uh, uh, plunge fathers started getting big. And so like all these yep. kind of like different names were starting and we were all on Twitter talking about it too. And like, it just, that, that was it. That's when the energy shifted from this is cool. Like what's good with this to like, yo, people are coming and it's going to be a big deal. That's, Top that's really is, what it turned into. Top, Top shot, shot is, is the, the gateway. No doubt. Top, yeah. Top the shot catalyst, is the gateway. Definitely sure. makes a lot of sense. Did you, Danny, did you, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. You know, it sounds like you, you had played 2k. You, you'd been an NBA fan before. Did you find 
top shot yourself or did like someone put you yeah. on the top shot? How did you, how did you find top shot? So it was, dude, as soon as I read play to earn, I went crazy doing research. I was like, I need to find every game. I need to find more about NFTs. I need to find everything, everything, everything. And at first, like, because I had discovered Axie, like probably December 9th. I think that's like my first NFT I bought was an Axie on December 9th. I'm pretty sure I still have it. So that's, should frame that or something. But uh, I didn't start Top Shot until December 23rd. And so that's about, you know, two weeks difference. And I wish I got in a little earlier. That would have been dope, but it kind of worked out perfect. It was the sweet spot because if I had gotten in two weeks earlier, maybe I would have gotten bored of it or like, you know, whatever. So it, it just worked out. But like, I was more interested in other things at the time. I was like, there was this like flower patch, which was like this weed farming game. Uh, by that's how I found Voxies, uh, which was still in development. They hadn't done their, they were about to do their drop. That was really cool. Ember Sword still isn't out. Like, so like I was doing research and none of them were really like, there yet besides axie and axie is kind of lame but it was still fun and so that's why with top shot i was like all right well you know this is licensed by the nba this is this new technology like these nfts and things and so like this is kind of cool like i'm down with it and i still have the video of my very first pack opening i was like you know recording myself i was like all right guys so check this out i buy this pack for twenty dollars let's see who i get and i got like trash cards but one of them was uh you know, I, it was an MGLE. So, and it, it told me like the highest sale for this card was $40. And I was like, I was freaking, I was like, yo, wait, 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 wait. I spent $25 and I got one card that's worth 40 and then four other cards. So, and so that's like, it was crazy to me. And like, when I was telling my friends, they were like, uh, that sounds so stupid. Right. And so it's just like, I, I love that I still have that video though. Cause that was one of like the big, like, I don't know, transitioning moments. Cause as soon as I opened that first pack, Oh, you know, I was hooked. You would yeah, know. You're, you get, you get easily addicted to pack. Opening. Oh, dude. We saw dude. how many, uh, oh, yeah. how many people have absolutely loved the pack opening experience. I think it's, it's the best part. It's like still one of, of the top four parts. Exactly. It's one of the top four parts of the NFT world. Just like, that's the same thing as minting, you know, just you don't know what you're going to get until you get it. And so when did you realize that you had a mega financial opportunity in front of you and you were early incorrect? Yeah, so this is where it's really sad because in theory, I should be a millionaire right now. Like I, I if I had sold all my bags, you know, last fall. Like I would not, I'd be more well off than I am today, but I'm not that upset about it because it's learning experience, whatever you go through the motions. Okay. I, I did take some profits. So like, I'm happy about that, but regardless, <clears throat> one morning, very close to February 24th, which if you know, your top shot history, that was the, uh, that was the peak. It was probably like February 21st, 22nd, 23rd, one, one morning, very close to that day. I woke up and I had a panic attack and I looked at my girlfriend and I said, I, like three months ago, I had negative $27 in my bank account. And now I have $200,000 worth of digital assets. Like 
what am I doing? Like, what, like, what, what is this? Like, this isn't real. Like, I, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm stressed. Like, do I keep holding? It's going to keep going up. Do I sell it now? And like, you know, like, I, and I'm miserable at myself that I didn't sell. I could have put everything I had on sale and every single thing would have sold because that's what happened. Like the, in the following days, you know, February 24th, you could not buy a moment on top shop for less than $30. You know, like everyone, everyone around the world for some reason was all of a sudden like, yeah, we got to get in on this. Like people are making mad money. And I think it might go back to Jack Settleman's uh, big play. He went, he bought like a LeBron James for $50,000 or something. And Yeah, like, he bought the from the like, top Kobe tribute for the <clears throat> yeah, 23. Yeah, yeah, dude, sick, sick pull. And I don't know if he still holds it or if he ended up selling it, but still at the time that was – super significant and it definitely pushed the market and it got sports center attention. It got like all these different, you know, barstool, like everything was talking about it. And that's really, that was the kickoff dude. And it's so crazy because I really just fucking wish I sold everything. But at the same time, it is what it is. Part of the journey, you know, like I still have a bunch of top shot moments. I still think it's cool. They're fun. Like overall. And this is the whole thing overall in my whole experience I'm so heavily in the green that it's like, I can't really complain. If I complain, I just sound like I'm not, I don't know. You just, you just gotta be so appreciative of what you have. Like I really, in the last year and a half, I've made such a life for myself and I'm so proud of myself for it. Love that man. Love the uh, positivity that you take from it versus trying to, you know, be the person that always wants to sell the top as if that person ever existed out in the world today. Um, I do want to, I do want to get a little bit of the backstory, maybe not the full backstory, but a little bit of the backstory about your crypto punk purchase. Cause I think that was one of the times when I was interacting on Twitter with you a good bit. I loved all of the tweets that you had. You were, you know, you clearly had set a plan into place and you weren't exactly saying what that plan was, but whenever I saw that you uh you had changed your your twitter profile to the punk i was like wow what a move and yeah. you know buying buying a punk at that point in time was like a very very serious purchase for people who really did love the space and wanted to be and own an asset that was first so talk to me about like when you put the plan in motion to get your punk dude honestly it's so iconic like i love my punk i don't know when i'm ever gonna sell it like i'll never sell it for a loss i'll tell you that right now like it's i really do think if i ride it out five ten years like that could be an absolute grail it should be like rea reality of it it should be a grail through history will it be who knows regardless though when i uh I don't know exactly when I decided I needed a crypto punk, but I remember fading crypto punks when I had a lot of top shot moments and I very easily could have like traded like 10 moments or like just a couple of my best moments for a punk. And like Pranksy did the great punk raffle, which was like literally buy in for one ETH and you get a random crypto punk and there were some rare ones in there. Like I missed out. I really did. I missed out early on, but over time I, to appreciate crypto punks a lot because uh let's see i was an early mentor for board api uh board api club so i had my ape i uh did the whole ghosts thing like i was the one that pretty much found them uh not to take away from gong yang he's a killer artist like one of my favorite in the space uh definitely mutually mutually beneficial relationship right there like we both helped each other grow so much and yeah so like quick shout out to ghosts but that 
and uh, Cool Cats and Royal Society of Players and like all these other drops were just going on and I was I was hitting, you know, like that's really the what was going on. Like I was just I was hitting these different uh just plays and I think it must have been after Cool Cats dropped, definitely after Cool Cats came out. I think I don't know exactly what it is, but if you look at the exact trade history, it, it, I, oh my gosh, I gave up so much for my CryptoPunk. I gave up at least 10 cool cats, which, and I always think about this, like, I think about it if I had sold everything at the top, which realistically you cannot do that, but hang with me for a second. Humans love to torture like themselves, so that's oh, how you yeah. have we, to think. We, we, we love this. Like, so 10, like the peak for Cool Cats was like 15 ETH. So we're already at 150 ETH. Um, and that's about as high as my punk ever got in value. Uh, but that is simply the peak, the tip of the iceberg. I gave away a ghost. No, wait. Yeah, no, it was a ghost, a demon, and an immortal. Those are three key pieces to the ghosts ecosystem and those all go for at least 20 eth a piece the ghost itself goes for at least like 50 actually i don't know current floors but that's that collection will always be worth more than the floor i'll tell you that much uh i gave away not gave away but i sold my board ape which was a really cool one that had 3d glasses and let's see what else i gave i sold um Oh, dude, I don't even know. Like that's a lot of that assets. enough. Yeah, that enough is alone. That's like 400 ETH worth of assets for my CryptoPunk. That's now worth maybe 50 ETH. If that. Yeah. So, Are you still holding uh, some BAYC and some Cool Cats? I assume. I have other deeds. I have my three Cool Cats and a couple uh, pets. I have like 800 Ape Coin. I listen, listen. My board Ape journey was great. You know, wrote it for Mint, and then I had the dog. Oh, I sold my dog too, which helped me get the punk. And you know, I didn't mute. I didn't mutate my own ape because it came out after I sold my ape for the punk. But when mutants were at like seventieth, I uh, bought that. I bought my mutant, and then it dipped down to three point five, and I was like, "Well, that fucking sucks." But you know, I'm gonna keep holding it. And I wrote it all the way up to when it got to like 35 or 40 right before the other deed sale. And then um, got my other deeds, didn't get a code. I was pretty upset about that. And uh, like the mutants started dipping and I was like, yeah, it's like now or never. Like, let's just, let's just take some money. Like I, I need to take a huge profit because up to that point, I really like, I don't know. I've taken some small profits that have added up, but like, so I sold that and it was like, I don't know, 30-ish ETH. And I just, I cashed most of it out like immediately. And so that was just like a quick, you know, however much it was at the time, like probably close to six figures. And like, I'm so happy I did that because as everything has crashed, it's like, well, <laughs> at least I sold my mutant. And at least yeah, I cashed I mean, out a little bit. You have bit, to take the know? good trades with some of the yeah, bad ones too, if you're going to evaluate everything like, at the top. Yeah, it would have been really shitty if I hadn't sold it. Like, I'm not going to lie. Oh, and I forgot this, too. Like, I had so much ETH saved up, but I had to sell a bunch of it for taxes. Uh, but I'm actually really glad that I did that because, you know, and I just held it. Like, it's worth so much less now. So, I don't know. It's all, it's literally all stupid. Like, I don't know how anything works, really. And I kind of hope that 
things stay in a, this market for a while because I feel sustainable. Like I feel like, I don't know, like I, I have a decent amount of money in the bank and I still have a full-time job. So as long as I just don't overindulge, which low-key, I'd be indulging. All right, I'd be indulging, but I try to keep it level-headed. And I also, I, like I've been traveling a lot, but I think after NFT NYC, who, it's very interesting. I think there might be a very large dynamic shift. I don't know if people are going to be like, all right, like I'm done. Like I'll be back in two years when it's fun again, or if maybe it'll spark something or something in between. I don't know. All I know is I'm still going to be here because I, my job is with house of first it's with landmark ventures. You know, if we're in a bear market for two years, that might affect other projects, but we'll probably be okay. Like we'll probably be able to make things work, you know? And it's a game of survival, no doubt. It's a game of survival yeah. and the macro market is going to shake out certain teams that totally. aren't potentially for building sure. for the future, that don't have vision, that don't have kind of the guts to stick around and continue to see this out. So, so it'll, it's definitely going to shake. It's definitely going to shake some stuff up. I did want to hit on your roles in the Web3 space. Talk to me just about what what do you do at House of First, how you got the role and, and was that like a, you know, NFT buddy to buddy kind of thing? With yeah, so it's always funny because uh, I joke that I never know exactly what, how to define my role. Uh, as time has gone on, I feel like I can more closely define it, but really it is just a step beyond community manager. It's almost like curator of culture. Like I feel like it's not a sole responsibility. It's not just on me, but I feel like I'm one of the pushers of like house of first, like what are we trying to accomplish with house of first? And it, early on, it was very much primarily about like, we want to be this Genesis drop house where signature artists from around the world can come to us to do their first NFT projects. And like, to me, that is enough of a selling point. I think that that collects two key types of collectors. It gets the, and I mean this in the nicest way possible, like the lower end of the spectrum, the people that are newer and excited about following their favorite artists into the NFT space and like learning and everything. And then the other side of the spectrum that is super advanced collectors who see the value in buying an NFT from this artist who is like, it's their first adventure into the NFT space and holding it for a couple of years and seeing what happens with the artist and their work and the progression. Like, so we aim for those two different ends because we think that they can be mutually one beneficial to one another because the, um, you know, the people that have been around are obviously resources to the new people and the new people kind of feed inspiration and get the old people, the old heads that have been around more excited. Like, it's hard to not be excited when there's new people coming in that are like, yo, this is awesome. Like what's, what comes next? And like, you talk about it and they're like, you know, give realist, realistic expectations and everything, but also like, that's what draws everyone in. It's that childlike sense of like, this is incredible. Like this is the future. This is like, things are so fun right now. And so that's really what my goal is. And it shifted. Like I said, uh, it was very much about that Genesis drop house. But as we've seen over time, uh, we really have to take a lot of emphasis on that educational aspect and like, how can we provide value to holders that are new that need to figure things out? Like, how do you download a MetaMask? Like, how do you mint from contract or go to Etherscan and mint? Or how, like, how do you even navigate OpenSea and just like look at rarities? Like everything on the spectrum, like there's so much to consider 
And we're trying to, we've been like doing trial videos and like trying to find a way to put out solid content that goes over all of these things in like bite-sized forms because I, I don't think there's enough of that out there. And if we can capitalize on that, not only will it bring new people to House of First, which House of First, like first, like it's your first stop into the metaverse. Like it's literally, it's right there. I think we've done an excellent jo job of branding it. Our first three collections from House of First, uh, we call them, it, it's the trilogy essentially. Each of them serves such a different, unique purpose to our broader ecosystem. And I'm like really proud of that. Five years from now, I can see myself still being with Landmark and House of First doing cool things where it's like, Five years from now, you know, think about how cool 2021 was and early 2022. Like, you know, it's dope and all, but where we're going is going to be so much cooler and people can't forget about that in the bear market. The House of First brand, the idea that this is a first stop into the metaverse. I think this begs the question of what's like the best advice you have for someone who's just getting into Web3 today, who's just starting to research the myriad of NFT projects that are out there right now. It's definitely going to be watch your own back. Like you really are your last line of defense. You have to, like these are, I mean, they were high value assets. They'll probably be high value assets again one day, but uh, you know, it's, it's no joke. Like all it takes is one misclick, sign the wrong transaction and your stuff is jacked and there's not really much you can do about it. And so that's, that's really the biggest thing to me. And that was like I mentioned earlier, it's a lesson that I learned early on and it stuck with me because you don't want to be the person that loses their ape. You don't want to be the person that gets scammed out of your most valuable asset that's worth more than your house and your car combined. You know, like it's that's that's scary and it happens all the time. And so you just like you really can't assume that it won't happen to you. I don't even assume that. Like I know that like there's a good chance like I could get my stuff wiped one day and it's like. That's why I have so many different ledges and that's why I move my stuff from one wallet to another where I never use that wallet. And that's, that's, it's sketchy. It's kind of scary, but it's, you have to, you gotta, you just gotta do it. You know, you really have to come around to it. And uh, beyond that, it's also have fun. You know, like really this space is special because you get to form relationships that are actually meaningful and not just, you know, profile pictures talking to one another. Like I'll tell you right now, when, when I go to New York next week, it is going to be nonstop fun. It's going to be, it's going to be hanging out with so many people that I, I am friends with. Like I am friends with all of these people that I see in New York because we talk to each other every day online. Like, even if like, I don't know, like there's randoms all the time, but like, there's also, you know, especially like the gutter, like I love my gutter crew. I love like my ghost community, my cool cats friends. That's the thing. Like we're all connected through these communities and that's where these projects truly are undervalued because we all say, oh, community, community, community. Like we take that word for granted. It is so powerful what we've been able to accomplish in the past year and a half and how we bring people together. And even on Twitter, like through all of this, even in the bear market, NFTs are still by far the most talked about thing on Twitter. Danny, I want to get you. I want to get you out of here. I do want to hit on one question related to how do you disconnect? Because you know, I'm sure there have been times where you basically aren't sleeping and at your computer truly 24 seven. What do you What do you do for fun? How do you disconnect and and get away from the space at times? I mean, honestly, it's not that hard for me. 
I feel like I was much deeper last year and I, I'm here with my finger on the pulse. I still do feel very tuned in and like I still have my group chats. And my, I, I don't feel as much of a need or even a desire really to be here all day, every day. And I think that's perfectly healthy. And all the paychecks was a stepping stone for me to thrive in NFTs. NFTs are a stepping stone for me to thrive in something else. It's not the end all be all. And I recognize that. And I think a lot of people are hung up thinking I'm going to retire off of JPEGs and I'm never going to have to work again. And neither will my kids or their grandkids. Like generational wealth is not a joke. Like that doesn't happen. That's like hundred million dollars plus. And I promise you 0.001% of people that deal in NFTs are going to make that happen for themselves. So if you're coming to NFTs chasing generational wealth, like that's realistically not going to happen to you, but you know what might happen? You get into a cool community and you make some cool friends and you collect some cool art and you do some cool things. And that to me is all that it has to be. Where do people find you and, and where do people find what you're doing with House of First? Yeah. Awesome. So you can find me on Twitter. Mostly that's where I'd be hanging out at Dan Verno. Uh, when you find the purple cat punk, that's the one. And then with House of First, we're actually really excited for our next drop. It's uh, called Black is Beautiful by the artist Nick Davis. But yeah, that's that's Love. it. Appreciate you stopping by the podcast. I think you said some really insightful things. I thought the most insightful thing you said is life is not all NFTs, but it certainly can be a heck of a lot of fun if you're in the right communities. And uh, balancing everything in life is always the most important thing. There's money to be made in NFTs. Well, at least there was. And there will be again. Maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe next year. Technology that eliminates friction between buyers and sellers and authenticates scarcity is a winning formula. Long term, more and more use cases will be developed and rolled out. The next Microsoft, Google, Apple, Amazon, Facebook is being built right now. But is buying and selling better than buying and holding? Time will tell, but I'm reminded of a quote from Boiler Room. I read this article a while back that said Microsoft employs more millionaire secretaries than any other company in the world. They took stock options over Christmas bonuses. It was a good move. So are you a buyer or are you a seller or both? Either way, the choice is yours. But remember, there's a lot of life to live both inside and outside the world of NFTs. So no matter what happens, keep on living and I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>